Hello and welcome to Let's Get Psyched, a program that explores the controversial and challenging issues from a psychological and psychiatric perspective, as well as the implications for clinical practice. I'm your host, psychologist Dr. Aaron Parks of the University of California Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, and I'm joined by my co-host, second year child and adolescent psychiatry fellow, Dr. Tosha Yamaguchi. Hi, Tosha. Hi, Aaron. And second year psychiatry resident, Dr. Alan Atkins. Hi, Alan. A pleasant evening to you, Aaron. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, views expressed on Let's Get Psyched are those of the speaker. They don't represent the University of California, UC Riverside's Counseling and Psychological Services, or UCR School of Medicine. Well, you joined us on a really good topic for this podcast It's good, and radio show. It's going to be on polygraph and lie detection and truth serums. Very interesting. I'm ready to learn a lot. Um, so but first of all, let's talk about polygraphs. You know, polygraphs, what do they typically measure? Uh, you know, I, you jump in, jump in. Uh, okay, okay. So um, I just wanted to say I found this really interesting fact that polygraphs were invented by a medical student and a police officer at UC Berkeley. So a UC Berkeley med student and a campus police officer invented the polygraph. Ago? 1921. That's a long what time What an ago. unlikely yes. alliance. I know. I, How did they meet? What's yeah, the story it's an there? American thing. It's Tinder. very much an American thing. Like they we, met on Tinder. We, we USA. USA. So I wanted to jump in just for one thing, and then I think Tosha's got plenty of stuff to start us off here. But I wanted we we started this off um, by saying polygraphs and lie detectors and truth serums, and I wanted to mention that from our point of view, or at least from mine, um, lie detection is a misnomer and is a f- somewhat problematic misnomer because. As we found in our research, it's not lie detection, and the false belief that it is lie detection has resulted in some uh, unjust convictions in numerous or at least multiple situations. I think numerous situations. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, part of the problem is calling it a lie detector, right? We should call it a polygraph, number one. But also people believing it is the problem believing it's a lie it's a machine that detects lies yes i agree with you and it's led to a lot of problems it's not i'm gonna yeah go ahead tosh maybe a better name would be a detector of a physical physiological response uh often seen in stressful situations can we make an acronym for that? (laughs) That, but i'm gonna i feel like i'm a little bit on the it, it might be useful side because of the research that I found, mm. but we'll, we'll, I mean, we'll get to there. I mean, it's not like it's completely worthless, but I agree with you that in the history, it's been, people have been frustrated with it, have said, this is not lie detection, well, let's stop using it. And then it's been invited back in, you know, mm. like as, as, you know, for, for things like screenings, uh, employment screenings and things like that. Well, I was just gonna say, I wanna be specific in like what physiological responses it is measuring. So yes. it's measuring heart rate, it's measuring blood pressure, respiratory rate, and skin conductivity. Um, so it's got a lot of things going on at once. Um, but we all know what that like readout looks like, you know, with the with the little wave going on. Yeah, before it would be kind of written on this kind of scroll of paper, but now it's just all fed into a computer. And there's computer software programs that kind of that crunch the numbers and try to come up with some sort of calculation of how true a statement was or how much what the response was and all that. But you're right. It, it's over-promising, over-promising. Yeah. And there's, there's new technology coming out 
that is claiming to be much better using artificial intelligence, and it also seems rather overpromising um, and and not that impressive. But you know, as part of the research, um, we googled what would it look like to actually buy one of these things, and there was a, a range of options. There were some that were like a thousand dollars, but then there was one that I think Walmart was selling for <laughs> like thirty-one dollars, and it was a lie. It's a thing that you put your hand on it has electrodes and it's a lie detector truth or dare game um oh i hope i'm not inadvertently plugging that please do not go spend your money it's 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 called the game i thought i thought it was an actual thing that walmart is i at first i did too and i was amazed and then i when i saw game at the end you know i mean it sounds like a little fun for a party if you had one i would participate (laughs) Now, does it have the galvanic skin response thing, the electrodermal? I'm sure it claims to. It has that, little. It it has electrodes. Uh, that might be might be kind of cool. You're kind of selling it <laughs> yeah. to me, Alan. Yeah. Uh, I know. Uh, but, but but wait, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I I did read that that is supposedly the galvanic skin response, supposedly the most accurate, most telling part of the data. Did you read that too? And they also uh, some some uh, systems have voice pitch too. Include voice Isn't pitch. Isn't that the same oh, thing that's used in the Scientology e meters? The galvanic. I, I did not want to be the person to say that. Oh yeah. no! But you have been caught saying yeah, that. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, yeah. So th- this has had a, a very controversial history, um, you know. And there's different ways of of kind of like what what is what is the theoretical orientation upon which you can t- supposedly detect when someone is saying telling a lie you know so there's uh there's a method that has to do with when you are uh asked like you'll ask a lot of innocuous questions what is your name you know what is your job that supposedly sets a baseline the control the questions yes yes and then you ask them did you steal the camera from the closet or something you know from the storage room the relevant question. Right. And then suppose it's based on the, the, the theory that you will have this fear arousal response. All right. So now the problem is, is that's not always the case with everyone. People, there's unique reactions. Some people, perhaps maybe uh, some sociopathic people, uh, enjoy the chase, enjoy telling mm-hmm. non-truths. And they do not have a fear arousal response, but they mm-hmm. enjoy it. And those are the people you really want to catch. Well, and <laughs> so there's that. The- uh, some of the lie, I hesitate in calling it the lie literature, or maybe I will call it the lie literature, but I'll, I'll question its validity. They actually have a term for that and they call it duping delight. Yes. Um, and that duping delight, mm-hmm. the validity of that as something that can be measured by a polygraph or other means is questioned and we'll get there. Yeah, one of the opinion pieces I was reading was saying that this is pretty much, um, what's the word, biased against honest people. Interesting. That's not something that you want to have for a lie detector. (laughs) No, I mean, a lot of this also depends on, um, you know, your theoretical background and, uh, you know, getting a true baseline. And, you know, some people get uh, really nervous just being hooked up to a... um, a light at a polygraph sorry almost yeah. slipped there mm-hmm. a polygraph and but then actually that they play that up sometimes part of the prep for getting 
supposedly, supposedly for getting good results is that you play it up. It's how right. you strap people in. It's you create this context it's, in which you're going to get an arousal and, response. And I think that's really important here. I mean, I think that what Tosha said is is so important. She just said that this thing has a bias against honest people. So the question is, are you strapping down five um, suspects and you're doing a lie detectors on all of them and then you're stratifying their their grades i don't think that's how it's working it's you know it's it's used so it's partly it's we're going to talk about how it's used by government i thought you were going to end with i don't think so <laughs> i don't think so bub <laughs> seriously thought you were going to say that <laughs> so so we're not using it to compare to others. We're using a test that's biased against honest people. It sounds like on an N of one or an individual basis when we want to – I don't want to say we. When certain maybe uh, uh, law enforcement entities want to prove one person's guilt or even just want it right. as an intimidation tool, which seems right. to be part of why it's on retainer in certain government organizations. It's, it's like – don't even apply to this job if you're a liar because we're going to know. But that becomes really dangerous when you're actually using it as a tool of a tool in court or something. If this test is sort of basically going to show most people as lying if you're creative in its use, that's a big problem. Yes, you're right. There's a lot of ethical problems with trying to portray this as a true lie detector and then using that as intimidation, right, to get people and witnesses to say whatever you want them to say. And you're telling them lies. You're telling them lies about what's going to happen, how accurate this is, right. right, just so they can get a confession or just so you can have them do what you want to do. Maybe say. the lie detector folks need to take a lie detector test themselves. <laughs> I want to I want to draw out a point that you both have already referred to about the government being one of the um, like biggest uh, users of polygraph tests. Yeah. So they apparently uh, apparently in the US two and a half million polygraph tests are given each year. Um, and this is taken from Wired magazine's article written by Mark Harris in 2018. Um, and, and most of these tests administered are being administered by the government in a screening for uh, job applicants. So people such as uh, firefighters, paramedics, police officers. Um, and each test is apparently uh, $700. And we're looking at a polygraph industry that is valued at $2 billion. It's a lot of money. Wow. That's and, and that it's so interesting. Around. Yeah, that the government is like a, a major player in this in this industry that's a lot of people feel is, you know, there's no no good evidence for. Right. And and in the in the one of the original intended uses for this um you know, which is the the actual criminal court, there's huge variation in whether these tests are permitted or not are actually admissible in court. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an article by dur- jurisdiction, right, right, um, or or agreement between both parties to include that as evidence or to use it, mm-hmm. which that part is totally beyond my legal understanding. I think almost everything is beyond my legal understanding. Um, <laughs> so so there's an MIT Technology Review article that's sort of assessing this new and prom- supposedly promising. Um, wave of AI or artificial intelligence lie detection and finding that it's maybe not that promising. Um, But what's interesting, so they detail the past 
um, some of the history, which was interesting. I recommend the article, but but some highlights. Um, there was a guy named Mervilus in 2006 who was arrested arrested for false accusations, and he asked to take a polygraph test to prove his innocence. But then his mother died, and it turned out that he was kind of physiologically aroused during that test, and he didn't pass. And then he asked to take another one, and they didn't allow it, and that was that. Um, he was declared guilty. That, yeah, the damage was yes. done, which is a, that's the problem is that once people take this, then, you know, the damage is kind of done. You know, if you if you don't, you know, quote, uh, uh, you know, pass it. Yeah. When you get I mean, that is what so often that I think that's a, a such a big problem with our criminal justice system in general is it makes a lot of we make a, a lot of really, really costly mistakes that are disproportionately affecting you know, people of color and, and um, people in disadvantaged socioeconomic situations. And then the, what we do to correct them is, oh, well, in five years, you can appeal if you're lucky, right? And that's, this is relevant there. Um, but but so, so there's some new stuff on the horizon. There's a company called Silent Talker, which is trying to do this stuff by AI. They're trying to be applied at border crossings. They're trying to be applied at airports using these kiosks where if you think someone, my assumption for how these kiosks work is if you think someone's lying, um, you take them over the kiosk and like a guard observes them as they're doing it and then they have to do work with this kiosk, which this kiosk is looking at facial expressions and pat it's looking at patterns and this guy was quoted saying this the ceo or, or the director of this company was quoted saying we don't have a functioning model and we don't need one we just let the ai figure it out which i found particularly creepy right so they're not they're just giving the ai this this pattern of liars and this pattern of people that they've deemed as telling truth and they're having it sort out the differences. And what if there are third variables? What if all the people that they chose for that pattern of liars happen to be of a particular ethnicity, right? Or what if, or, and that's just the first thing that comes to my head. But, you know, they're, they're not vetting it. They're just letting the machine learning do its thing, um, which sounds rather scary to me. But also scary and sort of... Um, I don't want to say hypocritical, but uh, not in congruence with with his former statement, apparently said that their technology relies on um, this microexpression work by this psychologist, Paul Ekman, which we've a lot of people have heard of at this point, it became kind of like pop psychology that oh, people that are trying to hide something, they have these micro expressions for a second before they show their real expression. So you might have this tiny expression of anxiety before you smile. And that data turns out to be highly contested and isn't released by this guy because what he says, oh, I used it for national security consulting, so I can't release the data for national security reasons. But a lot of people are speculating that he's not releasing this data because it's not very strong data. Um, and that seems to be a theme, that the government wants to have this sexy new cutting-edge stuff that's beyond the tried-and-true methodologies um, of academic science and so they go to these things that haven't really been tested yet because they want the newest and the greatest but that has its risks and if and if you're just joining us you're listening to let's get psyched on KUCR and we're talking about polygraphs uh, lie detection 
and truth serums. We're going to spend a little bit of time on truth serums right at the end. Let me uh, introduce, uh, you know, just uh, some some stats on this and just some just interesting information. This was from Crime Psychology Review 2015. They did a good review of polygraphs in the history. It's interesting that, you know, 1983, the Reagan administration authorized its use because they want to track down leaks. And then they came to the conclusion, they rescinded it three months later because they came to the conclusion it wasn't reliable. Well, in 2015, the U.S. intelligence community again authorized the use of polygraphs to try to detect leaks of classified information. So that just tells you something about the the kind of, uh, you know, up and down history of, of lie detection. But you know, it it kind of depends on how the question is asked. It depends on how much, uh, you know, preparation we might want to say about that, like, you know, a little bit about if it can be beaten, if you can learn ways to beat it. But this is the example of some of the, 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 the literature review. These are the ranges. So, again, this is the asking innocuous questions and then asking the the question that's relevant to whether or not you feel like the person is telling the truth or a lie. Like, you know, did you steal the camera from the warehouse or whatever? Uh it ranges from 74 to 89% for people who are actually guilty with a 1 to 13% false negative, okay, so that you cleared them, but they were actually guilty, and a 59, so just over chance, right, to 83% to correctly identify people who are innocent. So that's where you're talking about that bias, Alan, uh, and a false positive ratio of 10 to 23%. So saying they're negative, that they're guilty when they're actually they're innocent, um, so that that is high, but again, this depends on you know the no preparation, uh, the right context, and the right type of you're asking like for something whether or not you stole something that's kind of an easy kind of cut and dry thing. But there's a, there's lots of caveats in this, and again, once you fail it, then the kind of damage is done. I was also reading um, from the Journal of Human Brain Mapping an article uh, out of the University of Plymouth written in 2019 by Dr. Shu and Dr. Gannis. Um, they were f- testing countermeasures, uh, so things people can do to beat the lie detector test, and they found that using just two countermeasures, you can make it 20% less accurate. Oh, there you go. We're not so it's already into biased. those countermeasures because we kind of felt like we didn't want to publicize on air what that was. But we did kind of chuckle when we thought, what motivated these two doctors to spend like a huge amount of time publishing on how to beat lie detectors? I mean, you could say that, you know, maybe it was for the improvement of these, but it's kind of a funny thing to decide to study. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, this is mostly employment... It's fair to say most of this is unemployment screening. Does that sound right? Uh, like gov- either government mm-hmm. jobs yeah. or police mm-hmm. force or things yeah. like that. Uh, and, I think you know, that's the present state, but I don't think that's the goal. I think the business goal is to expand the, the pie and get their market share into, I mean, like a, right, like airports, border crossings, admissible in the courtroom. I think they want to have... I'm sure that you could sell a product to a whole lot of people if you could convince them that it was legal, ethical, and could detect people lying. I mean, I could see everyone wanting to buy one of these. If it was an now, app I, you could have on your iPhone. Oh yeah, no, I no, I yeah, I kind of see, I could see that. Uh, I yeah, I would have a lot of ethical problems with it, especially one of the you know so-called these um, kind of broad net sweeps where you just kind of have this uh, just AI program that is analyzing everybody and detecting. The people that with the highest lie score 
and then that's just tagged on them because you've just done this broad sweep of everyone in the airport. Yeah, that would be terrible and unethical, I feel. That's it's it's almost it's similar to the the idea of if psychologists could develop a test that would be able to accurately predict a person doing a, a, a murdering or committing a serious crime, would it be ethical to give it to everybody? And I say no would not be ethical to give it to everybody. It's almost like a, you know trying to get this pre-crime kind of idea going. It's not, it wouldn't be an ethical thing. It's broad net measures. Right. Well, what, let's, talk, let's move into serum truth serums. Uh, you know, this is something you see on the movies. I always assumed there was nothing to them. I always assumed this was just a bunch of doctors and researchers in the 50s at, you know, just trying anything to try to uh, do this terrible, uh, you know, unethical interrogation and things like that. It, it's, but what is the evidence out there? I don't even know. So, so there are truth serums, and they're, I would say they're about as problematic as... Um, polygraphs. As polygraphs, yeah. So, so the original kind of truth serum is sodium amytal, which is... Uh, uh, barbiturate. It's also called amobarbital. Um, when administered slowly by intravenous line, it was at times used to attempt truth serum. Um, it creates a loss of inhibition. And what we're going to learn later is that that's going to predict targets that we have. There are other ways, other fancier ways to l make people lose inhibition. But um, you can the problem is that you can coerce people into false memories in this just as easily as you can have them tell the truth so again it has a bias against the innocent right um although i don't know that this was i don't really know how this was used other outside of the medical setting in the medical setting it was used to interview patients with um something called catatonic mutism catatonia is is uh, an interesting condition where someone becomes kind of immobile and stuporous. Um, help me out here, Tosha. How do we? What 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 class is this medication? Or is this? It's chemical? a barbiturate. It, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, can you can you can you say a popular barbiturate that people might have a little bit of uh, knowledge? Well, now we don't use yeah we we don't use barbiturates so much anymore as. In psychiatry, we use a lot of benzodiazepines like Xanax or Yeah, the, the main Ativan. place that we still use it in psychiatry is in addiction detox. Um, so is an example of a barbiturate like quaaludes? Uh, what are quaaludes? I don't think so. No, I don't think quaaludes are, what are What's an example of a barbiturate? Because like, you hear that a lot. So phenobarbital is... Um, phenobarbital. A barbiturate, and it's uh, used largely in... Um, seizure applications okay so it's in that same class uh yes yeah thanks it gives me a better idea yeah, yeah all the truth serums are essentially sedatives or hypnotics so it it does what alan was talking about uh loosens inhibitions um so other examples are midazolam flunitrazepam sodium thiopental even ethanol um, but there's just no good evidence that they're reliable or that they even work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, do you have, is there any stats or has, it sounds, sounds like, you know, I didn't has this see been any research stats. actually, or is this only like those things in the 50s? I, where people... I didn't see any stats, but I thought that there was this really interesting story that I, I came upon researching this. And that's that uh, amobarbital was initially studied by 
uh, Dr. William Blackwin, and he's a neurologist, his psychiatrist at the University of Wisconsin, and he was using it to treat catatonia, which is what Alan was talking about. Um, so he wasn't using it as a true serum, but that's where it was first used. And I thought it just brought up an interesting point about how um, how psychiatry has that dark past and... Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought we could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's important. I mean, we like to acknowledge the dark past of psychiatry, just as medicine has a dark past. Most fields, when they start up, have a dark past, and psychiatry is newer than the rest of medicine, but also it, de- it delves into a lot of the darkness of the human condition in general. And I want to emphasize that psychiatry is a highly introspective field and has really come to terms with its dark past, is honest about its dark past, and in a similar way to like how kind of Germany has embraced, grown from, and had public service based on the Holocaust, I think psychiatry has really embraced its dark history and, and been able to use it to inform more compassionate means. Maybe that's a little cheesy, but I think it's important to say, and it's something I believe. Is there ever an ethical way to use truth serums? Can you? Ooh. Can you? identify any possible I don't scenario. know. I mean, one of the things in the U.S., it, part of our Constitution is the Fifth Amendment, which is the right to remain silent. So uh, it's, I don't know. I don't know. Well, so there's enhanced that. interrogation techniques, right, that from like the Dick Cheney era that are, some people would, would they called them that, and I think other folks called them torture, but I think the question they were faced with after September 11th was is there any person for which their crime might be so egregious or the information you could get from them might be so life-saving to so many people that these things are permissible and my answer to that would be i'm very uncomfortable and have no idea <laughs> yeah i mean like it really when you think of it that that was used to justify a lot of things they would say well, what about the ticking time bomb what right. if there was a ticking time bomb that was going to go off in Manhattan and then you know one person knew where it was now would you use it i mean these hypothetical situations where that that never right. occurred right right and and luckily we don't have to make that decision because i, I would hate to be the one to have to make that decision yeah Gosh. We should have like a um, an ethicist on the show. Oh, that would be so cool. Provide a history. If of... you are an ethicist, please contact <laughs> us. We'd love to have you on the show. Well, I, I, has there ever been a time when you felt like you have wanted to uh, uh, a, a, a use or you feel like uh, there's ever been a time when you've been threatened to have a lie detector or polygraph used on you because I have, oh. to say I have had that experience. Okay, well, I want to hear your experience. Okay, so this is what happened. I went to an ATM and deposited some money. It was it was cash, uh, and I, 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 you know you could tell when you deposit a bunch of cash. It's like thick, right? And so I deposited the cash. Well, I was called and said you deposited an empty envelope, which was completely insane because everyone knows what an empty envelope. <laughs> feels like so yeah. obviously someone in the bank took all that cash it, I, yeah. I don't want to go into why i had that much cash but it, they allowed it and then it took it and it registered and so everything was fine except that they told me later they called me they said we need to question you and so this is what happened they brought me in uh, for questioning and so they said you deposit an empty envelope 
And I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> and then they said, and then I goes, yes, you did. It was completely empty. So uh, um, we're going to just have to um, delete it from your account. And I said, well, that's not good because I deposited. Do you have, do you have, uh, can, let me see the, 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 the tape and that, the, the recording of that right now. Because you can obviously see it's a, that, well, we don't have that recording. Uh, okay. So and at no time, hmm. this is interesting because when you're caught and you're accused of something you didn't do, uh, you, you don't think of things like, well, I want to talk to my lawyer. We you just can. think it's like you're just kind of shocked and you're thinking, well, obviously my powers of persuasion are going to convince everybody because I've got truth on my side. That's what you think. But now <laughs> yeah. thinking back on it, oh, probably would have been good to get some consultation. Oh All right. God. I kid you not, a big guy, I don't know if he was security, and he started being really angry at me <gasps> and then said, we know that you deposited an empty envelope. And said, and we can tell too. Are you ready to take a polygraph right now? Are you willing to take a polygraph right oh now? And God. I said, yes, I'm willing to take a polygraph right now because I deposited a whole lot of cash into your ATM. And that did it. The fact that they threatened me with this polygraph and then so they stopped I asking did you? not hesitate. Said, I'll take it right oh now. God. No problem taking it. And that that's so... Oh, that's I so called their bluff because yeah. I knew they didn't have no freaking polygraph. Well, that was they may a- have. So that was actually something I forgot from the research. One of the clients that these folks were trying to get as their big... that That's interested in these products is banks. And I thought to myself, what would a mm. bank do with this? Just, they yeah, could have had so a polygraph. A well, now I feel a lot more scared, you. Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Because I could have been hooked up to one. They just I just called their to bluff. I thought they were, you out. Yeah, That's they were just trying to intimidate me. Yes, and the guy was really big. And so then they said, hold on. And they went to another room, talked about it, and they go, okay, we believe you. You can go. Wait, I didn't even know banks could question you like that. I know. I didn't think about lawyer and legal rights. I just thought, I did get out of it, but I, I shuddered to think of someone that didn't call their bluff and said, wait a minute, I got to talk to my lawyer. It would have been, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm who's... sorry. Drop that on you. We're now out of time. <laughs> that was a good I last talk, one. I want to talk about this for a, for a long time. Okay, so you've been listening to Let's Get Psyched. Thank you to our co-hosts, Dr. Toshi Yamaguchi and Dr. Alan Atkins. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, you can write for to us at getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. That's getpsychedonkucr at gmail.com. And you can listen to past episodes of Let's Get Psyched on your favorite streaming platform. If you like tonight's show, please follow us and post a review. This episode was recorded remotely in our homes. Our producer is Elliot Fong. I've been your host, psychologist, Dr. Aaron Parks. Tune in next week for another edition of Let's Get Psyched. Let's get psyched.